All right, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Good Vibes Nation. Douglas, welcome. Good to be back, Nick. Oh, man. As always. Hey, look, I got something special for you today, man. I have a surprise for you. Are you ready for my surprise? All right. Our intro song, okay, the creator. By the way, that intro song is straight fire. I love it. It is. It gets me fired up every time I hear it. It is fantastic, right? So, hey, my friend, Mike Chick, I've got him on via Zoom. You ready? Oh, yeah. Bring him in, man. All right. Hey, Mike, you there? Can I do like a slide into the right? I love it. I love it. Looking good, man. Looking good. That's like the new new going downstairs when you're behind a counter. I like it. (laughs) I like it. Well, hey, look, Mike, welcome to the show, first of all. Um, Thank you for I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell the people why I wanted to go with you. First of all, you know Mike and I known each other, Jersey boy, known each other for uh, you know 20 plus years, 25 years I think at this point. Um, amazing musician, right? But first and foremost, when I started thinking about a song, right, for our, for our theme song, I knew it had to be a Jersey artist. Absolutely had to be a Jersey artist, right? I mean, Doug, think of how many people. <laughs> You know, the pure musicians come out of that that state, right? Sinatra, Bruce, Bon Jovi, Halsey, Sugar Hill <laughs> Gang, Queen Latifah, naughty by nature, right? Had to be. Had to be a Jersey boy. And definitely the feel and the stuff that I was looking for had to be Mike. So I reached out to Mike and I said, hey, man, look, we're definitely coming up with a show. I would love for you to play a, a major part of it and come up with our theme song. And this is where Mike comes in. So, Mike, first of all. Welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about about yourself and and what you do as a musician. My my name is Mike Chick, and um, I've I've been playing music my whole life. I've been a fan of music my whole life. Um, I started playing at thirteen, and you know just played in a bunch of bands over the over time. Still playing on a regular basis. Probably you know it's the most that I ever have, which is cool. Um, and um, I'm in two current bands. I'm in a band called Yawn Mower, and I'm in a band called BNBC. And I do a lot of solo stuff myself. And um, this is my first podcast theme. Really? And, yeah. And oh, you hit it mark, man. You did. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And I was. I was fu- when you said that. It was funny because you know when you hit me up the first time, and then we didn't kind of we didn't talk for a while after that. I was like, you know, this is just maybe not going to happen. And then when you hit me back up, I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And I was thinking of all these other podcast themes that I've heard, you know, from other pot, you know, other podcasts. Right. And I'm like, it's got to be like short to the like to the point. I'm like, I'm down with this. I could do a minute minute long podcast themes all day. That is that <laughs> is that is awesome. Yeah, you you definitely nailed it. Um but that hey, that was our show. We we talked about it a year ago. Doug and I talked about starting this starting this podcast. Um, so you know, obviously everything that comes along with that, you know, from equipment to theme songs, the logos, the whole nine, everything that came along with it, you know. So it kind of fizzled out a little bit. It was still in the back of our minds, but the same thing happened to me and Doug. We're just like, we got to do this. Let's go. Uh, so yeah. we you know made the investment, um, contacted you back, and you were like, yep, let's do it. So. But I mean, it, it's a, it's amazing. You nailed everything. It was, it's everything that I was thinking, thinking it would be, and then more. Right? I told you, I gave you a little bit of, of, of what I liked. Um, you know, I'm definitely a big Foo Fighters fan. Um, so I definitely, you kind of got that feel to it too. I love the tones. I'm a huge Office fan, and I didn't even tell you that. And that reminds me of it a little bit with those tones oh, yeah, when they come cool. in. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't be Mike. I couldn't be more pleased with with what we've got. And I know I've already let, let some other people listen to it. They love it too. Well, I mean, for the gearheads out there, um, you know that that organ is a '60s Ace Tone combo organ, and I've had it probably since high school. It was from somebody we went to high school with. Like, eventually sold it to me, and it's now it's on like everything. Um, it's a very surf rock kind of sounding organ, yes. like '96 Tears, like that sound. And it's just on everything I do, and that's that's where I go first, especially with this. I'm like, oh, this is it's fun, it's it's retro sounding, it's got a little Nintendo kind of vibe yes, to it. Yes, yes, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what I'd say. It's like it sounds very like gamey, yes. you know. That's so cool. That's the sound of this organ, so I love it, and um, you know, so that's so that's it, and the drum machine and all that. So um, it came together really fast. I mean, after we were like, let's do this. I mean, it came together fast, and I'm I was really happy. Yeah. Especially after it was all done, you know, after mixed and everything. So, yeah, I'm hoping to do more of that. I mean, that's if you know, I, I might have to post that on my Instagram and be like, "Hit me up for all your podcast theme needs." For sure, for sure. I mean, that's why. Hey, listen, that's why you're on the cast. We want to promote the hell out of you, um, you know, for what you did for us, um, you know. So we're very pleased, and we'll we'll, we'll definitely push it on the uh, on the on the market, right, Doug? Absolutely, man. Absolutely, <laughs> that's so, great. And what you were saying before too is interesting about like when you do something like a podcast because I always hear people say like I got to start I want to start a podcast, but the amount of work that goes into it to sound good yeah is a lot of work. There's a lot of research for yeah. microphones and just interfaces and all that kind of stuff, and you know, and then you got to edit stuff out. So it's like it's a I'm sure once you get rolling, it'll be like, you know, once you get rolling on that, like it gets to be old hat, but. In the beginning, it's definitely a, a learning curve, especially if you don't know stuff about like microphones and all that. Like, no, then that's that's us. I mean, we, we we're not we, professionals, we right? <laughs> I'm I'm still learning too. I, I'm look. I, I I'm a lifelong. At this point, like I just got like a, a recording software last year for the computer when ca- pandemic hit. So I'm like, this is the time to learn how to use this. So I'm just a lifelong student of learning how to do things, um, musically recording instruments microphones because you know there's so many microphones and there's just a lot and i'm lucky to have a good group of friends that are more knowledgeable than me in these things right so i can be like hey man you know what what do i do in this in this you know in this situation so yeah that's 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 us in a in a nutshell i don't pretend to know everything or anything uh, so I definitely ask a, a, last, a lot of questions, and we got a couple of uh, good friends that have their own cast, so definitely pick their brain along the way. But enough about us. Tell us more about you, man. Tell us about uh, your bands. Where where can we, uh, our listeners, okay. we got a lot of listeners that are up in Jersey and New York. Where can they find you? Um, you got uh, any gigs coming up? Spotify, I would say Spotify is the biggest. Um, Yawn Mower is, I'll go through them. Yawn Mower, we've been together. It's me and um, me and my buddy Biff. And uh, we started out, Biff, Biff, I've known him for years, like through the music scene up here. And one day he was like, he was like, when are we going to start a band together? Because he's in like 10 bands at a time all the time. (laughs) So, you know, back in like 2015, he said that. And the next day, I actually, the next day I bought this guitar on a whim. And with this one right here, it like came up in the feed. That's awesome. yeah, it was like it's a different kind of guitar, and I bought it, and it basically became the sound of Yawn Mower. So, 
when he hit me up, I was like, the next day I'm like, yeah, I'll come over tomorrow. And he was like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> cause we're starting bands with each other all the time, but like a lot of times stuff, you know, life gets in the way, Yeah. but this one actually worked and, and me and him have a really, really good, um, musical relationship. It's funny. Music is like, I mean, you meet people that you click with and you meet people that you don't click with. And, you know, me and him definitely click really well in terms of writing. We have a new LP coming out next year that I think is the best thing we've ever done. Um, it's, it's wild. Like I listen to it and I'm like, damn, if I heard this, if I heard this on Spotify, I think I would be really stoked. Cause you always wonder would I like my band if I wasn't in my band. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a funny thing. Like, I mean, I'm spending all this time and all these hours on this band and I'm just like, but if I rolled into that club, would I be like, these guys are lame. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like them. But, but this one, I mean, I'm really, really excited about this new record. Um, so we'll, when it comes of, out, when it's sound, out, I'll let you know. What kind of sound is it, Mike? What kind of sound is Yawn Mower? I love the so, name, by the way. Yawn Mower started out as a two-piece, and it was drums, baritone guitar. It was a wall of fuzzy surfy garage just it was mayhem it was more it was just as much energy of us two and the sound so like it was an equal part of like personality energy and the music so like it was just so we would just like go at it it was kind of like somebody fired a shot when we started our our set <laughs> and then we ran we sprinted for 30 minutes now it's it's way more expansive we call this our our pet sounds um record because there's so much before it was like one guitar, you know, it was guitar, drums, some percussion and little things here and there. But now it's like it's just this palette of instruments all over the place. And it's really good. I mean, not to say that it's pet sounds at all, but just to give an idea of like there's so much going on. And um, it's still it still has that fuzzy garage kind of sound, um, but it's a little more. It's a little less bombastic. That's and now we play as a four piece and it just sounds huge in a different way. It sounds instead of being just like all sat, like somebody said, it's amazing how much sound you guys push for a two piece. But this is more like it's more well-rounded. I have less work to do because I got two more guitar players. Right. So I like that. It gives me a little bit of time to breathe. Um, but yeah, it's really I'm, I'm excited about it. And like, you know, things are opening up a little bit more. Like we haven't played much because we want it to be, I haven't played in Jersey much because we want it to be really good when it's done. Right. You know, when, when, when we're playing. When, so. when can we expect it, uh, that LP to drop? We'd love to get you guys both on uh, when, that, when that happens. But when, when can the people expect that to come out? Do you know yet? Probably, I mean, early, early 2022. Probably maybe like February, March at this point. But it's being mixed now, so like the majority majority of the work is done. Um, we just have to like do the album cover and and all that stuff. So I would say like February, March, hopefully, and it may be released in I don't know, maybe April. I don't know. It goes so fast, like you know, the months go so fast that it's like yeah, probably April. You know, that's awesome. So we'll we'll definitely be on on the lookout, and definitely as soon as as soon as it comes out, let us know. We'll get you guys both on the show. Maybe we can get some sample tracks and, and, and listen to them on, on that cast. It'll be awesome. But we wanted yeah. to, to thank you, man, for, for doing uh, what you did for us and Good Vibes Nation. Uh, we wanted the people to hear your voice. 
um, and know about you and uh, know where they could check you out. So we'll, you know, they can follow us on uh, on our Facebook page and get more information about you. And definitely, guys, if you're looking for a theme song for your podcast, this is the man to do it. So we appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for spending your time with us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. I'll see you. I'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. All righty. Hey guys, it's Nick. I just want to take a second and thank one of our sponsors of the show, the Next Top Recruits. If you are or know a talented high school athlete that has the true potential in receiving athletic scholarships to play at the collegiate level, Next Top Recruits has a wealth of scouting experience, knowledge, and contacts to help connect you with the coaches and programs that best fit your skill level and academic goals throughout the U.S. If you're interested in being scouted or have any questions, Go to www.nexttoprecruits.com. That's www.nexttoprecruits.com to find more info. And also, for our local listeners, if you have a daughter or know anyone looking for a travel softball team, the Next Top Recruits also has one of the Triad's elite fast pitch softball organizations in the area. They have teams ranging from 10U all the way up to the high school level, All these teams are located in High Point, Greensboro, Charlotte, Raleigh, and the surrounding areas. For more information on that, please reach out to Ken Carlisle at ken.carlyle at nexttoprecruits.com. All right, everybody. Welcome to Good Vibes Nation. Douglas, welcome to the studio. It's good to be here, Nick. Awesome. So we got a good one for you today, guys. Uh, We're talking about competitiveness in youth sports. Um, something uh, both Douglas and I are very abreast on, um, I would say. Uh, my girls play sports. I got an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. Both play softball. Um, our oldest, uh, Kayla, is getting into volleyball a little bit. Um, Carly, she's played basketball. She's played um, softball. You know, she's played soccer. She likes it all. Um, we play competitively. Um, what I mean by that is uh, we play travel ball. Both girls have played travel ball before, but enough about me, Douglas. What about you? You got two kids, right? You yeah, two. Eleven-year-old boy and eight-year-old girl. Um, my eleven-year-old has just started playing this year. This past year, she has just started playing travel ball, competitive right. basketball. Um, and my eight-year-old has just now started playing recreational ball and just started doing it. She's done like gymnastics and horseback riding and all the fun stuff that little girls do. Uh, just now recently started getting into the, the, the ball sports basically. Right. Um, and the, you know, but she's just, just, just newly just into the recreational ball. Yeah. Right. So Jack's, uh, how old's Jack? He's Jack's 11. 11 now too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think, I mean, first and foremost, when we're th- talking about this topic or thinking about talking about this topic, um, came to mind to me first is like, no matter what sport that you're playing, I kind of see it as uh, three different levels, I guess you can call it. Um, I think you've got like a non-competitive, something like that. In my mind would be like an upward sports where, you know, participation trophy, everybody wins, you know, you don't keep score, uh, so on and so forth. And then a step up from there would be your rec leagues, somewhat competitive, you're keeping score, you got winners and losers, you know, various various levels of talent, um, and then maybe like the higher level, right? You know, when we're talking about kids sports, remember, so, uh, and then, you know, travel leagues, AAU, very competitive, you know, winners, losers, definitely the higher echelon of, of talent. I mean, would you, would you agree, my, my synopsis, that I... 
come up with? I do, yeah. And I think that I think that what where the, the question of competitiveness, you know, within that comes in those lower two, right? You talk about AAU, you talk about the travel ball teams and things like that. The the competitiveness is expected. Mm-hmm. Right, I agree. Yeah, you know that's expected in those leagues. Like you said, it's a higher echelon of player, of coaches, uh, equipment. You know, all that is better. You know, in those upper leagues that that the that the kids can play in. My, I, I think my issue comes in with the competitiveness in like the the recreation leagues, those middle leagues where, you know, we've talked before about. You know, my problem is, you know. My kids have both played in recreation leagues before, and we practice for two weeks, and then we start playing games. And half the kids don't know how to run the bases in baseball, right? Yeah, they or don't dribble a lot of time. Right, or dribble in basketball. And it's just, you know, that's the frustrating part for me. Is like I, I just think that, that we, we head into games because we want to see who's the best. Yeah. Right? So I think you got, you're talking about two things that jump, jump out at me. Um, I agree the, you know, you know what you get when you get to the, the, the higher, the travel leagues, AAU, stuff like that. In my opinion, the recreational leagues, they're the most dangerous, right? Because you got a mix of talent. you got kids that are really good, and you got kids that have never played the game before at all, um, right? But just like you, you started talking about the, the competitiveness, like you get, I've been there too, right? I've coached both the, both my girls' um, rec leagues. Um, you get a limited amount of time, and you've, Especially in softball, and in, you know, softball too, you know, baseball. There's so many rules. There are so many rules. My kid's 11 years old. She's been playing since she's five or six, and she still doesn't know all the rules. Right. Right. From tagging up to infield fly to you know, you can't um, you, you can bunt with two strikes, but if you bunt and you foul the ball, then you're out. Right. right. I mean, there's so many things. Um, you know, uh, a play to first base. There's a runner on first base, and the ball's hit to the first baseman. She steps on first base and throws to the second. It's not a force anymore. Now it's a tag. So, I mean, there's so much to learn, right? But I think that the, the parents, it's coming, it's stemming from the parents that he- heighten pressure to succeed. Right. Right? Just like you're talked about, right? You got you got two weeks with your team, and you're going out there. They didn't know how to dribble. They don't know how to shoot a foul shot. They don't know what a foul is, right? But the parents are in the stands. They're yelling. They're screaming. You know, they want their team to win, you know, and as a coach, on a coach's level, you're like, can we just teach these kids the game? Fundamentals. Right. right. right? That's my point. It's just like, you know, and that's the other thing, too, is like, you know, you know, it really, it's not even to, a lot of times it's not with the parents. It's not even, I want my kids to win. It's, I want my kids to score. Right. Or I want my kids to get the ball. Or I want, you know, this and that. And, you know, and the fact of the matter is, you know, you're, when you're coaching a rec team especially, you know, you're trying to get every kid to get better, right? You're trying to have every kid enjoy playing basketball or baseball or football or whatever the case may be. And so it's frustrating from, from that standpoint when, when you watch either as a fan, you know, as just a dad watching my kid play, or as a coach because, you know, I've done both. And, you know, and, and you see those parents who just, you can tell right away that, that their kid, they think their kid is going to be the next, you know, Mickey Mantle or yeah. the next. You know, They're getting Michael scholarships, in, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. All the coaches, all the scouts, you know, yeah, they're there looking at. They're there. You know. No, I, I agree with you, and, I, and I've got a rule, and I tell my parents, um, especially there in AU uh, softball, even there you got different, you got different levels. Um, 
you know, I'll talk about my kid. You know, my my kid's seven, but she's Carly's got a big bat. Yeah. Um, Carly could hit it to the outfield. You know, right now, um, she's you know she's got a hot bat too, and that's the thing is what we've learned through travel sports. I mean, it, it's everything, but she gets you know. She gets a lot of hand-me-downs from, from Kayla. She'll have Kayla's bat, which is a hot bat from when she played, you know, so on and so forth. But I got to roll back to my room. I got to roll my, with my parents. I'll tell my parents, I will not put my your kids in a position where I feel that they will get hurt. And that's it's primarily in a U rec ball is that pitcher, okay? It's just a position. It's coach pitch, but they're sitting up there, next, you know, next to the coach who's throwing the ball, and I've seen it. We've played against a team where – you know, that coach put their their daughter <laughs> at that pitcher and they probably shouldn't have been. Right. And it wasn't Carly, it was another girl, um, that could hit, you know, pretty much just as good as Carly, put one right back up the middle, hit the girl right in the chest, and she dropped. I I was scared. I yeah. was scared, right? right? But I mean it's like you said, it's that it's those parents you know, where they're like, oh, pitcher gets a lot of action, right, because the girls are barely hitting the ball most of the time and it's dribbling up to them and they're throwing it to first base or right. running and tagging home plate. But, no, I, and that's my rule. You know, it's if your kid can't play it, I'm not going to put them there. Right. You know, I'm going to teach them, you know, how to field the ball, how to throw the ball, the fundamentals of the game. But when it comes to it in a game situation, and I, and I bring up Carly, once they see Carly hit, I'm like, look, there's other girls just like her. Right. On our team and on other teams, they're going to hit that ball just as hard. I'm not going to put your kid in that. They're not ready for it yet. Hopefully, by the end of the season, we can develop them. They can get there, but but not yet. But no, I think you're right. I mean, a lot a lot stems from the parents, right? And you know, there's times when the parents push the kids and they don't want to play. Yeah, they don't want it. It's not. It's it's the parents' pipe dream, right? right? I played softball growing up, and I played. You know, okay, well, Molly doesn't like playing, right? I mean, it, it's clear. You know, I'm all for trying stuff out. You know, my dad was always big on if you try something, if you commit to a team, you got to finish it out. Right. I'm all for it. Right. Right. But I mean, you could dabble in it a little bit before you let your kid go play soccer. Right. You exactly. kick the ball around the yard, and if they don't like doing it, then hey, let's not try this out. Yeah. Right. Or be be okay with your kid just enjoying like just enjoying being out there with their friends. Right. Right. It's okay if your kid plays right field. Right. And bats ten. Right. right. You know, Sophia, like I said, this is her first time playing recreational organized ball. And she played uh, softball for the first time in her life. Like, I mean, she start, she picked up a ball the first time in August and started playing in September. And it was fall ball. So fall ball, you, as you know, right, There's it's it's more, you know, uh, centralized to the kids who like to play softball, you know, rather than the spring because there's, you know, other stuff going on in the fall. So, um... But she played, and she was not very good, right? Especially to start the season. She, Like I said, she picked up a ball for the first time in August, and she was perfectly happy playing right field, being out there with their friends, you know, learning how to play the game. She learned how to run the bases, and she learned, you know, she's soaking it all in. Right. Right, and she loved going to practice. And that's what I was excited about, because she loved going to practice, because she had a very good group of coaches, um, you know, there's three or four guys who were there every day, and they, they did a really good job of, of interacting with the girls and, and, you know, setting or separating them into groups and things like that, and really teaching them, all right, this is how you run the bases, right? This is how you stand when you're, you know, when you're in the box, and, you know, this is how you stand when you're in the field, and, you know, where, where do we go when, you know, this and that. And so, it, she just soaked it all in, and, and she could not care less whether they went or lost. I mean, she didn't even ask after the game. She wasn't even like, who won, you know. Yeah. She didn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal to her. 
even even at a competitive level, you can't lose sight of the fact that it's still a game. It's a game. Yeah. Right? We're there to have fun. We're there to learn. We're there to be competitive. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing is it's a game, right? Yeah. Even at the professional level. Like right. that's awesome. Right. Those guys get paid millions of dollars to play a game. Yep. Right? That's what it comes down to. Um, and another thing, you kind of touched on it a, a little bit there. We were talking about the parents, the inflated sense of a, uh, excuse me, inflated sense of potential that these parents give their kids. Right. Right. I think you've heard me say it before. Right. I always say, my biggest thing is 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 little Johnny at the wedding. Right. In my in my opinion, this is my opinion. This is my show. I can say what I want to say. Um, you know, in my opinion, you know, it's that that guy or, or girl at a wedding, and they're they're up there and they are acting a fool dancing, but they think they are Freddie Stare up there. You know, they are cutting a rug. You know, I blame the parents. The parents never said to Johnny, right? Listen, Johnny, you can't dance. Yeah. Right. You love music. Why don't you be a DJ and make the kids dance or make the people dance? But Johnny, just your dancing's horrible, right? You just Find act, something else. You got no rhythm, bro. right? But no, they were they were giving them you know the inflated sense of potential. Like Johnny, you're so great. You're the best dancer. Mm-hmm. Now Johnny's acting a fool at 42 years old on yeah. the dance floor by himself, and people are you know, he's laughing stock. He's all over Instagram and TikTok because <laughs> he can't dance, and his mama said said he could. But I think, but you know, back to back to sports. I think, like you were saying, that it kind of goes back to that. Like, I want my kid to be the shortstop. I want my kid to be the pitcher. I want my kid to be whatever the position it, it is. Right in in our level um, now in twelve in twelve U that that we're going into, a lot of people think it's a punishment, right? Because it kind of goes back to that wreck mentality when your kid plays the outfield. Right. right. You're like, oh, they're in the outfield. You don't understand. Okay, if we're not back to eight, you with the ball's barely going into the outfield. Maybe, like I said, you got one or two hitters that can do it. You got girl. It's consistent now, yeah. right? We're right. at a fifty-fifty ratio. The girls are hitting singles or doubles or triples to the outfield. You need people that be able to do it. Right. And it's and it's a talent. It's not. It's not. I'm sticking you over there because the ball never goes. No. Right. You know. You need those. You need those people too. But. You know those people. You know you see it. You see it all the time. Is where you know they get irritated that why why is my kid playing the outfield? Well, your kid's a better outfielder. They're fast. They can yeah. touch the ball. They've got right. a great arm and they can get it in. Right. It's not a punishment. Yeah. Right. Right. I think I think one of the other things too when we talk about you know especially when we talk about you know like softball and even basketball and things like that, other sports, lacrosse, hockey. Part of the issue too is. These parents spend money, man. No I doubt. Mean, I mean, it is expensive to have your kid, and it's so specialized now. Like, if your kid's not, you know, if your kid's a softball player or a baseball player, and they're not getting one-on-one, like, uh, you know, instruction from, a, like, a professional, yep. then then they're going to be behind. They are. Right? Then they're going to be behind. And, and these parents go out and they spend, you know, and, and you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars on these instructional video, you know, instruction, one-on-one instructions with these, you know, ex-players and things like that. And, you know, they expect their results, you know, and when they, and when they don't get it, I think that that, that, you know, kind of evolves into what we, what we talked about before where, you know, oh, my kid should be playing shortstop because, because they're getting instructions from, you know, this, you know, guru. It's a, you gotta be a realist and, and I and I, that's 
who I tend to be a, as a as a person. Look at like I told you, I'm, I'm a facts. I'm a data guy. Um, I, I'm one of those. You know, we are Kelly. Kelly and I are are one of those enthusiasts, or whatever you want you want to say. Listen, my seven year old has a hitting instructor. That's right. why she could hit so well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's um, you know same thing with Kayla. She she's had one a hitting instructor for for two years now. Um, but there's when I say I'm a realist, it's there's so many mechanics people don't even realize when it comes to a swing, right? It's you could have everything perfect, your swing is perfect, but you didn't you left your head just sitting out there, right? Not not head to hands, right? Seeing where that ball is, and it's a huge whiff, right? But just like you said, you, some people are they're like, well, I spend all this money and my kid, you know, I'm I'm switching hitting instructors. No, you're it's your it's not that. You're right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's one tweak. You know, Kayla Kayla look at me in at bat. You know, and she we're we're actually uh, really blessed where uh, her hitting instructor is uh, assistant on our team, which is great because she gets one on one lessons and then the hitting instructor is also on our team. As a coach, um, so when she when we're doing BP, she could make an make an adjustment right, right then and there. Um, but you know, there's so many things, so many aspects of it. Like, oh, you're dropping your elbow, you're rolling your wrist. You know what I mean? You're, you didn't right. go head to hands. You're dipping. You're this. You're that. The other. There's so much that comes along with it, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to encourage your kids. You definitely got to encourage them. Like, look, it's you, it's something that you got to work on. And we tell our kids all the time too, right? We get them for, we practice twice a week for two hours a week. I get them four hours a week for practice. And then we go to the, you know, tournaments on the weekends. If you want to be that elite ball player, Mm -hmm. this is practice. You need to get reps in outside of practice. You have to have that one-on-one with with a hit. You want to be a better hitter? Get a hitting instructor. You want to be be an elite pitcher? You have to not only have a pitching coach, You've got to pitch outside of practice, right? You know, to to be able to do it. But you know, like I said, I'm I'm a realist, and you know, there's 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 times when you have to have those conversations with those parents, whether it's you know, hey, look, you know, I wanted my kid to be in the infield. Well, this is why they're in the outfield. They're an asset. It's not because it's a punishment, right? right? But you know, they've got more time to react to a ball that's hit them in the outfield. When they're in the infield, their footwork's not there yet. Right. We're going to work with them. We're going to try to get them there. I know that she wants to play whatever, base, right? But, you know, we've got to get her footwork. In the outfield, she's an asset to us right now. She could track down a ball. She can catch a fly ball. She's got a good arm to get it in, right? you got to be real with them there, too. And, um, you know, even as a, you know, my kid wants to play. You ask my kid right now if she wants to play in college, and that's great. I hope she wants to continue that, and I'll be there until she's done playing, you know, whatever that, that may be. You know, but we've already had conversations about, you know, she wants to play for Alabama. I said, okay. You know, I'm like, that's awesome, and I hope that she can. I said, but, you know, sometimes, you know, um, you might be able to go to Alabama. How many girls are on the roster? Yeah. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're not talking about, it's not a 52-man roster, right? Right. I mean, how many how many girls are on, are on the roster, and then how many girls play? Right? You may be, be able to go to Alabama, and maybe you'll be able to start your junior year. Or you could to go to a different D1 school or a D2 school. Right. And start four years and play four years worth of softball. Right. Right. So I mean, it's a, as a parent, it's a hard conversation to have. I never want to crush my kid's dream, and I want if she wants Alabama, hey, let's let's try for it. Right. right. Let's go until you want to do it. You know, until um, you want to give up, or if you don't, hey, that's great too. But when it comes down to it, I mean, like I said, there's it, it got to be a realist. There's only two percent, two percent of high school athletes overall. This is all sports. High school athletes um, get scholarships and. Of those 2%, they're not even full scholarships. Right. That's crazy. 
Right. Well, that and that and that's my point. It's like you know when you look at these kids and like, again, they're you're talking. We're talking about seven to you know eleven year olds basically. Right. You know when you look at these kids, you, nobody's recruiting them at eight, right? Nobody's recruiting them at nine years old, right? Mm-hmm. And so, to me, you know that's the time where, you know. It's time to have fun. It's time to learn how to play the game. It's time to have fun and go out there with your friends and play, you know, and get better and, and all that stuff. You know, when you start getting into the 12, 13, 14, that, to me, that's when you should start having that instructional, you know, one-on-one instructions and things like that where you can master your craft, right? You master what you're doing. Yeah, I, you know, Jack goes to basketball training but it's not, you know, like one-on-one stuff. It's just, you know, it's a, you know, the training academy basically, where there's, you know, ten or twelve kids and they, and they run drills and things like that, which is, you know, I, I think is good and that develops skills and, and all that fun stuff. But again, you know, I think we can, dr- I think we dr- we start to drive kids out of loving playing the game when we push like that for that stuff too early. Yeah, and the parents have a lot to do with that, right? I mean, there's times where you got to let them just have fun and appreciate the game, right? There's so many of those parents that are out there that are, you know, and I, that's one rule on, on our team is you, you don't coach from the bleachers, right? You don't coach from the bleachers. Um, you know, the, I tell Kayla all the time where she's guest played for, for, for some other teams, and, you know, I'm like, look, when you go out there, you're that coach's responsibility. Whatever that coach tells you to do, he tells you to bump, that's fine. He tells you to steal, that's fine. You know, there's certain things that when it comes to the financial aspect of it, like we've got a lot of money in her swing. Right. You know, I'm like, you know, he's seen you, you know, today, right? You're not even practiced with this team. You're just playing with them. Don't let them tweak your swing. You know what coach tells you to do, you know, for your right. swing? That's it. You smile, you nod, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you move on. But anything else... You're that coach's responsibility. It's yes, sir, and you do whatever he or she tells you to do. Right. You know, um, so many of those parents are. You know, we tell them off off the bat, and it, and it's hard, especially it's at that that range of where we're at right now. Right. There's there's that eight U. It's you know, mommy and daddy are still helping them get their mask, you know, out of their their bag bag, you know, right. for for practice to to ten U when you're a little bit more independent and you're on your own to twelve U like you are on your own. Right. Don't yeah. ask your mom where where your you know right. your, your mask is. Yeah. Right. You pack your bag down. Mm-hmm. You didn't pack it. That's not your mom's fault. That's right. your fault. Yeah. You know. So they get they get more responsibility. But yeah, it's um, you know, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, tell us a, a quick story. When we've played a lot of ball, we played a lot of competitive ball, travel ball. You know, in the past few years, the most competitive ball we've ever played was tee ball. With Kayla, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I was just happy. My girl wanted to go and she was, she was, you know, she was doing dance, and she wanted to to try t ball. So we take her out there, and you know, literally the the literally the first fundamentals. Here's how you put on your glove. Right. Yeah. Here's how you hold the ball. <laughs> right. I mean, literally, the, how you hold the bat. How you get in the you know the batter's box and what your stance is. And, what, and it's the, it was the most competitive league we've been in to date. Fist fights that were breaking out in the stands over T-ball, over scores in T-ball. I'm like, guys, this is literally right. 
the basic of the basics. Yeah. Right. Like we shouldn't be competitive at all. You should be, you know, right. happy yeah. that your kid wants to try a sport. Right. They were successful. They hit the ball off the tee. Congra yeah. Right. right. Congratulations. Keep moving that's on. awesome. Yeah. But right. yeah, no, that league was, it was crazy. It was. Right. And that's, and that's my point. Like, right, you get five and six-year-olds playing t-ball, right, and you got parents who want their kid to bet, they're upset because their kid's betting seventh instead of third. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. They all get to hit. They there's no they don't count outs <laughs> yeah, half the time. Right. Like, you know they all go. They, we just bat through the lineup. Doesn't matter where your kid's hitting. Nobody gets out. Like it's it's hilarious. Yeah. I, I, I honestly I have to laugh because otherwise I you know I just I get angry because you know I, I, I vote you know I I try to harken back to like when when I was growing up right, right. when I, when I was growing up you know we were very competitive right we were. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we, I was playing with my buddies, right? And I try to remember that as a dad, right? When I was young, all I wanted to do was play baseball with my nine friends, yeah. right? That's all I want. I didn't care if we won. I mean, I, honestly, we wanted to win. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, but if we lost, it, how fast can you get to the ice cream truck? Yeah. That's, that's all you hear about, right? Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. You know, I remember the first time I cried after a loss. I was 14 years old. I was 14 years old. And, and we won't like, I mean, I, I lost a lot of games, you know, or, you know, won and lost a lot of games. You know, I, was, I played on some really good teams, you know, as a, as a recreational right. baseball player and basketball player. And I remember the first time I heard, no, I was 13, it was 13. It was like senior youth Babe Ruth or whatever it was, like right before middle school baseball or whatever. And we lost... In like the semifinals, which we were the best team, we shouldn't have lost. Anyway, long story short, I, that was the first time I cried. I was 13 years old, like 12, 12, 13 years old. Like, I never cried when we lost when I was eight, nine. I didn't, you know, it wasn't about that. It was, it was my nine friends were out there playing baseball or basketball, whatever we were playing, and that's all we wanted to do was play with our friends. Boys and girls are definitely different. Boys and girls are definitely different. Um, you know, because I've seen, I've seen a lot of tears. In girl, in girl softball, and obviously, you know, hormones and stuff like that have to play the play a fact in that as well. Um, you know, I, I and I and I try to work with them on that. You know, and and, and kind of just re remind them in that aspect, like just like you said, like okay, how fast can we get to the to the ice cream truck? Like, girls, we're gonna be at it again next week. Right. Right. Where this is not this well, is like the I last think, one. I think your girls are a little bit different. Like your girls are a little bit. Different. Those girls work crazy hard. Right. They they. I mean, I've seen I've seen the videos. You yeah. got them, you know, physically training and, and uh, mentally training, and, and and besides their like you said, their four or five hours of practice every yeah. week and their instructional stuff. I mean, those girls. If I work that hard, you know, and you know, and busted my butt and, and did all that stuff, you know, and but we didn't have that when I was growing. No, right? We, we didn't have that. We we were at you know, you practice Tuesday night, and you play Saturday morning. Yeah. You know, now the difference was on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we were playing, we were just playing by ourselves oh, yeah. in the yard. Yeah, you know, we, right, exactly. And we didn't have, you know, 9,000 iPads and <laughs> cell phones with FaceTime and all that stuff. So we were just out playing, yeah. you know, playing all the time. But the, um, you know, but it was, like I said, it was Tuesday night you play and then, or you practice and then Saturday morning you play the game and then you go out for pizza after, you know. Yeah. Or you go to the sweet shop and you just get some candy. 
it's it's hard like I, and I get it because my kid is one of them she she plays with passion mm-hmm. right she wants to win she wants to do her best all of the time you know and that and that's that's the battle do you worry do you worry about that though as a dad as a coach as a dad you worry that as a as a let's get it now 12 should be 12 should be 12 she's 11 years old do you worry that that as an 11 year old she she's I don't say too competitive but just over over emotional about wins and losses yeah a, a little bit I mean a little bit if I'm if I'm honest uh, about it you know what I mean like I, I try to go back to that you know in turn we talked about the inflated sense of, of potential where she's got a lot of potential you know and, and it's not just just me as a coach or, or me as a dad she's, she's a good player um, and she can go places if she wants to but I think she expects perfection and that's the thing is what I don't want her to constantly think about that like you know I tell her all the time where you know, she batted, um, I think her stat was 340. I think she batted 340 this year. We played in 94 games. She played in every one of them. Yeah. 94 games is a lot of softball. Yeah. At 11 years old. And for you to keep a batting average of 340. It's pretty darn good. Right. If What would 340 get you in the major leagues? Probably Hall of Fame. You're getting bank. You're getting millions right. of dollars. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's the conversation that we're trying to have with her. You know, she's like, you know, um, it's good to be competitive, but you've got to realize, like, you set your goals, right? You're not going to bat a thousand. Right. You're going to strike out. You're going to fly out. Mm-hmm. Right. But set set goals that are set goals that are attainable. You know, and if you reach them, great. That's awesome. You right. did what you wanted to do. Now push them. Right. right. Now push yourself. Right, but I th- I think that's what I struggle with with my you know for her is that the expectation of perfection. You're still kid. You're still young. You're eleven years old. Right. You're eleven years old, and she's by far surpassed where I was at eleven years old. Yeah. And you said we haven't had that stuff. Right. You know the one on one training. You know, right, wrong, different. I don't care. She's she's still got the talent, but you know she's definitely. One thing to preach with her that I always preach with her is, is humble and kind, right? Yeah. I can't stand a cocky athlete, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the the I'll call you out, T.O., the, T, the Terrell Owens of the world. You know what I mean? Like, does he have, did he have talent? Absolutely. But your cockiness surpassed your talent, and that's why I don't like you. Um, you know, and, I, and I'll bring, I'll pull, you know, I'll pull stuff up on the, on YouTube and stuff like that and show her athletes like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Like, look. Mm-hmm. You know, is he is he helping his teammates out? No, he just got a fifteen yard penalty because he got in somebody's face, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so but no, yeah, I, I I struggle with it a little bit, um, but I think it's you know it's the same thing too. She's got to learn. You yeah, know, it's eleven years old. She's got to learn um, for herself as well. I can't right. do it. I can't do it for her. Right. Well, I, I I would say my my biggest my biggest thing with that with with Jack and like I said he, he's 11 and just now starting to play in like the travel balls and things like that is my biggest thing with him is, and I tell him you know be happy when your team wins doesn't matter how many points you scored doesn't matter how many shots you missed right if your team wins celebrate with your team don't get down you know don't be upset because you can be upset if your team loses right and don't be too high if you scored hey I scored 22 points but we lost by 5 yeah. you know it's a team game. Understand that. Like your teammates are going to be upset. They'll go around and like, well, you know, I scored 20, 20 points. We should have won. Yeah. You know, 
and so so I struggle with that stuff too, and, and just trying to teach him. Like you said, I, I, mean, I do the same thing. I show him videos, of, you know, old videos, or if I see if I see a professional or a college athlete show sportsmanship, yeah, you know, on on the court, I'll stop TV right there. Jack, come watch this. Yeah. You know, my favorite video of all time, and <laughs> is that kid. Did you ever see that kid where his kid's walking with his head down, and his teammate comes by and literally, literally, yeah, push it up, pushes yeah. his chin up, yeah, and so you know things like that, like you know. You know, like we tell this conversation is about competitiveness in youth sports, and I want my kid to be competitive. I want him to win. I want both my kids to win, and I want them to, you know, try their best to win the games. And but, you know, at again, it's youth sports, right? It's kids. Kids want to have fun, right? They're you know, and and that's the most important thing to me. I want my kids to have fun. I want them to enjoy playing the game, whether they like it, you know, whether they win or lose. That comes down the road. To me, have fun, play with your friends, enjoy it now while you can. Because, <clears throat> like I said, when you get to our age and you can't play anymore, you know who says we can't? <laughs> I mean, nobody hits a softball, a hard pitch softball like you do. <laughs> nobody. You're crazy, man. I think that's a great stopping point on this one. Um, yeah, I think we, I think we, we both agree on this, um, on this topic. I think it's an important topic, especially if you have kids. Um, but, uh, you know, appreciate you guys listening to us and, uh, I think, uh, you're going to enjoy, we've got, uh, we've got an interview with, uh, Kenny Carlisle that'll, that'll help put this all together. Super guest. Super guest. That's right. He's going to be, uh, on this episode as well. So, uh, stay tuned for that guys. All right, guys, welcome to Did You Know? All right, Did You Know is our game show here on Good Vibes Nation. What's going to happen is one of us is going to be asking five questions, okay? They get to pick the categories. We are actually taking the categories from Trivial Pursuit, right? You get to pick people or places, arts and entertainment, history, science and nature, sports and leisure, or there's a wild card. Okay? You know I love the wild card. I know, I know. Um, big fan of the wild card door. So, that's because the Yankees always make the playoffs in the wild card. That's why. Um, but anyway, so what happens is you get five questions. Uh, Douglas is actually being asked the questions first in this round. He gets five questions. He has to answer three out of five questions correctly. What happens if he does? I have to tell Good Vibes Nation something that you didn't know about me. But if Douglas doesn't answer three out of five, he's got to tell Good Vibes Nation something that you guys didn't know about him. Sound fair? Let's do it, man. All right. Write it up. All right. So, look, you get to pick whatever categories. You want to go five history, you can go five history. You okay. can change your mind whenever. All right. So, do you want people and places for your first question, arts and entertainment, history, science and nature, Sports and leisure, or do you want to go to the wild card? Uh, I'm going to start off confidently with sports and leisure. Sports and leisure. Uh, eh, Semi-confidently, by the way. Okay. Really confidently. All right. Um, What game console did Nintendo unleash in 2001 to compete with Sony's PlayStation 2? Uh, I will go with the... Nintendo 
64. I would have thought that too. It's not. It was the GameCube. Ah, oh, the GameCube. I remember that. GameCube. Nobody got that. All right, man. That's one. That's one down. Okay, it's okay. Look, now you you, you only have to answer three out of four now. Three out of four. That's not bad. All right. Again, people and places, arts and entertainment, history, science and nature, sports and leisure. Or go to the wild card. All right. Let's go. People and places. People and places. What fraction of the world's plant matter is contained in rainforests? Say it again. Repeat the question. The question is, what fraction of the world's plant matter is contained in rainforests? Three-fifths. Mm. One-third. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that. <laughs> dumb question. It's not dumb, man. Now you know, right? So somebody asks you on the street, so excuse me, sir. Did uh, you know <laughs> I'm just going to stop random people on the screen. You've got the answer. Oh, by the way, it's one third. Oh, my God. So, no pressure, Douglas, but you now... I got to go three for three. Yeah, you've not gotten any questions right. You've now got to go three for three. Dumb game. Whose game is this? I think it's a great game. That's all I have to do it. All right. Um, I'm going... Say them again. People's places. There is a history. All right, go with history. All right. That's not history, but that's okay. What nation's nuclear program brought the U.S according to Bill Clinton, as close as we came to all-out war when I was president. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a uh, Middle Eastern. I'm going to talk this out. I'm going to go with a Middle Eastern country. Uh, I think that um, it could be Saudi Arabia um, because... Could be Iran. We've had some issues with the um, nuclear with Iran recently. That has been recent. Iraq was. Um, I don't think they had really a nuclear issue. They had. They didn't have any nuclear weapons. And again, I'm going with either Saudi Arabia. It's 50 50. I'm going with either Saudi Arabia or Iran. Bill Clinton, 90 to no 92 to 98, 92 to 2000. Uh, Iran. No. Ah. North Korea. Oh my gosh! I didn't even think about that. Sorry. You went over, over, sir. So you know what that means. You've oh, got to sh- now share with Good Vibes Nation something we don't know about you. Let us know. Okay, fine. All right. Well, all right. There's one thing that I'll go with, and that is the fact that I pride myself on being like a hard worker, mm-hmm. right? Um, I now manage a 50,000 square foot uh, production facility. Pretty proud of that. That's great. Um, I got fired. <laughs> uh, I got fired from, and I'm not going to say the name of the deli. No. But I got fired from like a deli chain. Yeah? Yeah. For what? So- Are you eating the salami? No, I did a lot of that, but no, it's not the reason I got fired. So the reason that they fired me was because they said I didn't yell enough. And so, ah, that seems generic. So, part, right? Yeah, no, that was kind of the reason that they fired me. So the the, the deli was run by kind of like a uh, like a military guy, right? Yeah. And I 
Listen, I worked at New York delis in college. Like, we served... That's a deli. Yeah, we served hundreds of people every single day. So I knew, you know, part of, you know, things. You know, I'm, you know me. I'm kind of a, you know, a speak softly right, right. kind of guy. Carry a big stick. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, <laughs> you literally had to, like, they wanted you to stand at the end of this line and scream for what they call a runner, right? Somebody to come grab the food and deliver it to the table. And literally, like, they're, like, standing at the end of this, and they're, like, like, screaming so loud, Rawr! Yeah. And, like, people are eating their lunch, like, eight feet away, and I just, just explained to them, like, like, you don't really have to do that. Like, the person that you're calling is six feet away from you. Like, wow. you can just, like, go to them and say, hey, can you bring this to table 14? And so, but he was, like, just drill sergeant, like. Adamant, you, you had to yell. You have to yell. He wanted that. I think he wanted that feel, like that, like kind of like that New York feel, where like. You know, but, but I told him, like, I'm telling you, it's you not how you do it. Yeah, right. Like, you don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. Like it's, it's. There's an organization to it. That was cool. Um, yeah, you like that. Uh, so yeah, I got fired for for not yelling. So let me ask you this: I was mad. Oh, God, I, was so I would mad. be too. Um, but you said it was a chain. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to say where, but right. have you eaten in said chain before or after? Like, was it a thing that I don't this eat, guy? I don't eat there. No, I don't eat there. It wasn't very good anyway. I'm not, I don't miss anything. Did you? But did you? Eat, um, what I'm trying to get at is, did this guy bring the manager of the store? Sounds like mm-hmm. bring his personal flair into the store where this is what my store is going to do. Yes, we're going to yell. Yes, because I actually trained in Charlotte, so I trained in the store in Charlotte. Okay, and. Um, you know, down there, you know, it was a little, just a di- kind yeah. of like a little bit of a different atmosphere. Okay, because I mean, a little more calm. Well, I was asking because there's there's that pizza chain that's around here, right? CC's, like you <laughs> yeah, walk yeah, in, yeah, that's right. what they're known for. You go to right. a CC's here, like welcome to CC's, and you go to a CC's in Charlotte, you're getting yeah, this. Right. Welcome to CC's. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like good. you do work there. No problem, man. I'm trying. I, I might work there. But yeah, there, no, there's a, there's a local. It's a chain. It's a chain. Okay. Um, you know. That's very interesting. We know yeah. now we know something about you, man. Well, I'm glad that the tides have changed and you're very successful. I'm not very successful. You are. You are. <laughs> you are. You're very successful now in what you do, and uh, that deli's missing out, man. Right. That deli's That's missing what I'm out. saying. But honestly, they're really just missing out because I don't eat there. That's right. I That's eat true. a lot of deli meat. That's true. We both do. We both do. <laughs> but hey, hey guys. That's did you know? All right, guys. Welcome back. Got a good one for you tonight. We've got our first guest, Mr. Kenny Carlisle. Just give you a rundown a little bit of uh, of Mr. Carlisle. Kenny, uh, he runs the Next Top Recruits organization. He's a president there. Um, he's also coached uh, D3 program at Greensboro College for nine years. Um, read that he made program history. He's had six straight 20-win seasons and uh, was actually the uh, school's uh, second time, I think, on the all-time leader list i have to ask him about that he's a former nsr scout which is national scouting report he's a former major league baseball player he was drafted fourth um in the fourth round by the uh detroit tigers i think it was 112th overall pick um he was later traded to the braves uh played nine years in major league baseball he was uh high school um a two-sport phenom at a memphis tennessee he was recruited for baseball and basketball he came out of Briarcrest Christian High School, and for you guys uh, who like movies, that is the same school as Michael Orr, who starred 
started the well didn't start it was the blind side was about and he uh ken also received his first recruiting letter as a sophomore um and he used that as motivation um to go ahead and uh be, be recruited so doug and i definitely want to welcome you ken has been um a great friend of mine uh here for the last year or so and definitely a, a mentor so ken thank you for joining us and welcome to the cast yeah, I appreciate it. Um, excited to be here and and looking forward to get started. Sounds good. So did I, did I get all, did I get that all right? I mean, you played nine years in Major League Baseball. Yep, everything was was there accurate. I went to school at Ole Miss. Um, I was actually drafted my junior year in the ninth round by the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, long story, the negotiation for the money and everything wasn't where it needed to be, and I went back to school. I can't even believe I turned down a contract with the Cincinnati Reds, but mm. I went back to school got my degree and finished and then got drafted in the fourth round by Detroit. Um, so it all worked out that way. And um, after my playing, playing days, I knew it was, uh, I was getting old. I was about 32 years old and they started calling me Crash Davis, you know, there at that Bull Durham. So <laughs> I was getting a little bit old when they started calling me Crash. So I decided to get into college coaching and went over to Greensboro College where I was a division three head coach there for nine years. And you were right on the second and all time, all time wins there. Um, so that's that's kind of right. Yeah, everything you said is great. We started Next Top Recruits about four years ago, and I'm sure we'll go over all that here in just a second, I guess. Uh, absolutely. Pretty, pretty, absolutely. Good, pretty good get for our first guest. Pretty that's, good get. Hey, I said, right? You, you told me. I know some cool people. We're starting off one of the coolest. Absolutely. But um, so, Ken, we've been talking about, Doug and I have been talking about competitive and uh, competitiveness in youth sports, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show um i know that's a broad question but we wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that obviously you've you've been in the game at a high level um for a long time and i guess kind of my first question to you is is has it always been this way even like when you're growing up and what are your thoughts yeah it's always been competitive competitiveness right it's always been there you have to compete i think where the difference is nowadays with the kids nowadays is you know back then i played three different sports you know even you throw in golf i played four different sports to be really competitive now in today's games at, at a young age, even you almost have to specialize just in one sport to get year round reps. Um, you know, my daughter's going through it right now. She plays volleyball and she plays softball. She hasn't swung a bat in three weeks. And then we go out to the, you know, go out to the tournament and, you know, have to play softball and try to compete with kids that are, have their own, you know, hitting coaches, batting coaches, pitching coaches. Back then, you know, I just went out to the backyard and threw the ball off the side of the wall and played you know, played catch myself and taught myself how to hit, taught myself, you know, how to play the game. I watched the game on TV um, to be, you know, to be able to compete. I, you know, I mimicked a lot of guys on TV. That's how I learned. I didn't have a batting coach and, and all that specific stuff way back then. So, you know, nowadays every kid that's competing has their own strength coach, their own nutritionist, uh, their own pitching coach, batting coach. So it's way different now than it was back then. But as far as competing, I think it's all the same. It's just, you know, a, it's a little bit different. I didn't have all the electronics and all the stuff that kids get into nowadays, all the TikToks and, you know, the Snapchats and all that stuff. We went outside to play, you know, so we, you know, we learned how to play and compete all day long to where, you know, there's a lot more distractions with the kids nowadays, I think. Um, but when you find that top athlete, they're in the gym all the time with their strength coach, hitting coach, all that, getting reps all the time. And I think that's kind of where it's come down to where, you know, you almost have to pick out a sport that you feel like you're going to be the best to be able to stay up with all the kids that have the hitting coaches and batting coaches and stuff like that. So I think that's a big, big difference. As far as competing, I think all kids want to compete. It's just a little bit different from back when we grew up to the kids now. 
I I'd agree with you absolutely. Kind of you know thinking about my you know career huh, up until high school. Um, no, but uh, you know I never had a hitting coach, and Kayla's Kayla's had a hitting coach for two years now. Like we were talking about, my daughter's eleven. Um, but I think it's key and critical if you want to play, you know, competitively. It's something that that they need to do. I mean, the girls that have the edge, they've got a hitting coach. Thousands and thousands, tens sometimes tens of thousands of dollars a year for their kids to play sports. Yeah, they're going to be a little competitive. They're going to want their kid to play. They're going to want their kid to, you know, to win and all that. And and Nick, you you've seen it too. Like you know, you talk about we got travel ball kids that are out there practice getting thousand reps a, a week, and then you've got a kid that coming out of rec league that just comes in there with no batting coach, you know, hardly any reps, and they stand out like a sore thumb on the field just because they're so far behind just in the reps and, and you know, just in general from travel ball to a rec league. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a big, you know, it's a big investment for your kids. Obviously, we're right in the middle of it. We've invested a lot of money with our kids and hope and dreams that they get a chance to play, you know, some college softball or college volleyball, whatever it is one day. I, one of the things that I brought up to Doug was I think that there's – um, in some cases that there's a heightened pressure to succeed for these kids, guys, girls, whatever, whatever they're playing. I think that comes from, um, you know, mainly the parents, I mean, the coaches in some cases, but mainly the parents, like, you know, have you experienced that in, uh, in your career where you've got a kid, you know, that maybe doesn't have the, the potential that the parent thinks that they have. Sure. I've, I mean, I, I deal with that all the time. I mean, Obviously, you know, because you coach Kayla and I coach Reagan, there's a certain different kind of pressure on them being the coach's kid. And that's, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes it's not fair to Kayla and Reagan because they're the coach's kids and we're going to be a little bit harder on them. And there is a sense of more pressure on them to succeed because they are the coach's kid. Right. So, you know, there is pressure involved with all that stuff. Um, You know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. You know, I I hear the terminology all the time with some older older uh, athletes. I got burned out. Well, a lot of that times you get burned out because mom and dad, you know, maybe pushed you too hard or put too much pressure on you. So when you're a parent, you've got to have that fine line where you've got to push your kid to get on better. But then you got to know when to let them be a little girl or let them be a kid and let them yes. do the girl stuff, and boy stuff, kid stuff. So there's a fine line in between there. But um, I hate when people say the use that word burned out because um, it does happen to families and it does happen to athletes. Um, so I hate that. But as a parent, you just have to kind of know your kid and know know what bus- buttons to push, know how hard to, 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 to push them when, you know, to get better. If they want to play in college, I mean, it's a full-time commitment. You're going to have to be in the gym. You're going to have to push. You're going to have to, you know, get better. I mean, that's just how it is because otherwise there's other kids out there that are doing that. They're getting a 1,000 swings a day. If your daughter's only taking 20 swings a week, well, she's falling behind every single day to these kids that are. So there are pressures involved in it, and that's why – about 7% of the kids actually get recruited to play college sports. So, you know, and then there's about 2% that actually play Division One. So when you start looking at the shirt, the, just the pure numbers involved in recruiting and playing college athletics, there is a lot of pressure on these kids uh, to perform. Um, and a lot of it comes from the mom and dads, unfortunately. Yeah, that's I, I, I told Doug we were talking about that on a segment before you hopped on, um, inflated sense of potential where the parents are giving it to them. My example was, and I've always said this, is that you got, you know, Johnny at a, at a wedding is that guy that can't dance. And, uh, you know, I blame that on the parents, right? So Johnny was dancing as a kid, and mom and dad are saying, oh, Johnny, you're so great. Well, Johnny wasn't a good dancer, and Johnny should have did something else. But they never told Johnny that, you know, 
he wasn't a good dancer and maybe he should be the DJ and make people dance. They told him that he was a great dancer and now Johnny's 40 years old and the laughing stock at a wedding because, you know, but he can't dance. But Johnny's having fun. He's Johnny a, he's is in having the rec, He's in the rec league, You're Nick. Correct, correct. You're Johnny's right. in the rec league. Time and place. You're right, you're right. I stand corrected. But, no, I think, but it, in all seriousness, I think that there's, I know, Ken, you've probably, you know, come across it too where, You've got some parents that have an inflated sense of potential. I, I broke it down to Carly, our youngest, is seven years old and plays eight U softball. And, um, you know, now, I mean, some of these kids, they, you know, I've got a couple of girls that can hit it to the outfield. They'll hit that ball hard. Um, and I tell the parents before I start, you know, coaching them at U, I said, look, I'm going to put your kid where I feel that they can play so they don't get hurt, literally. Because, you know, at eight U, the bats, you know, ball's coming off the bat hot, you know, Everybody wants their kid to be a pitcher because that's where the ball's going nine out of ten times. But when the ball's coming off the bat that hot, I want your kid to be protected, you know, and maybe, you know, their fundamentals aren't there yet. Maybe they don't know how to field the ball or throw the ball correctly, and I don't want to get them hurt. So they're going to start off in the outfield, and we'll work them up, and hopefully we can get them to the spot where they can, you know, move them up to a pitcher or something like that. But right now, you know, they've got to play the outfield. And, and I had that conversation with a lot of my Next Top Recruits clients uh, every day, just being realistic on where we think we can play at and, and at what level. For example, if you're a pitcher and you're throwing 80 miles an hour, look, you, you, and you're a junior or senior, you're not going to go to Duke or Wake Forest or State or Carolina to pitch because you're just not throwing 90 miles an hour. So we need to be realistic on, on where, we, where we can fit in at-wise, skill-wise. And that's a lot of times a tough conversation I have with the families, um, but, that's, but that's what I do. I, I want to make sure that they realize that their kids throwing 80 miles an hour. We need to go to the division three school, right. Or a junior college to get, to get in a couple of years of college under our belt to get bigger and faster and stronger. So, you know, no one's at, at eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12 you, there's no college coach is going to be looking at your kid and right. wondering if he's going to be playing college or not. Right. That stuff's going to start once they start to get into the high school level showcase ball. That's when it all really matters. Um, and, you know, you're going to fail a lot when you're playing sports and in softball. And that's a big thing that we have to deal with, with the kids going through, you know, if they, if they want to compete is they're going to fail seven out of 10 times in softball and they're going to be an all state player. And it's going to be hard for them to fail. And as you get older, there's more failures that's going to come about that. My daughter batted 610 U 512 U and a 14 U she's batting 380. So, and she's third on the team and hitting at 380. And when she was batting 600, just a year and a half ago, so thinking about the difference in the failure that she's going through right now that, you know, that's hard for kids to deal with that, with that type of failure. And that's just part of the game and, and part of why, you know, we coach and, and to mentor them along through those failures and stuff. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's just uh, there is a lot of pressure on those girls to compete. There's just no doubt about it. And the ones that can handle that and stay even killed during those times, during those games, are the ones that keep advancing, the ones that it starts to bother, the ones that start dropping off and they don't succeed. And they start batting one and two hundred, and then coaches find somebody else. So right, let's circle back real quick. Um, so let everybody know what is a next top recruits organization. How did that come about? Um, it came about four years ago uh, when I got done. I was always doing private lessons when I was a, when I was a college baseball coach, and there was a lot of families that I dealt with during the lessons that were fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old that kids should have been getting recruited, but they weren't. Um, they were depending on their high school coach to do it or their travel ball coach to do it. Or, you know, maybe it's a single mom family and she didn't know, you know, what travel ball team to play on or what camps to go to. Um, so I started helping these families out and realized that there was a lot of need for that here in the area. 
And um, I have a lot of baseball connections, obviously, in the college world, in the professional world and stuff like that, to where it was easy for me to pick up a phone and call a coach, Coach Walters at Wake Forest or Coach Pollard at Duke or Coach Elliott at, 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 at uh, State. So I have a lot of personal relationships with coaches where when those kids weren't being looked at or, or weren't being found, I find those kids and connect with them to the college coaches. And then we try to get them a scholarship or even if it's, you know, at any level, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, I've helped just over 160 kids now in the last four years. So it's been going great. Um, most of the kids typically that I help are kids that are being overlooked or just not being seen. Um, and those those are the kids that need the most help. Division two and division threes don't have as much, uh, you know, recruiting budget to go out and find kids. So a lot of them then will rely on people like myself to send them names and videos and and send them the, the level of kid that they're looking for. So I have 160 kids that I've helped and baseball is my majority. I've got a few softball, football, gymnast, golf. So I've kind of ventured out into, into some different sports, but um, baseball is my main my main deal where 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 I help kids. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now I want to go back to you. We we touched on failure, and that's one question that I like to ask um, any athlete um, or or coach, potential coach for for my kid. How do how do how did you handle ha- failure? You know, as a player. And then, you know, kind of two parts. And how do you guide your players to handle failure uh, or disappointment as a coach? So I thought about that that question um, that you sent to me. And, and I look back at the failures I had. And, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of in that 1% one, 1 of, you know, athletes that made professional baseball, right? So right. obviously I didn't fail near as much as a lot of, lot of kids did because I, I kept advancing. The kids who fail – the less amount of times they keep advancing, right? And the ones that fail, then obviously get weeded out and they don't they don't go to the college level or make the high school team. But, you know, I look back and if whenever I failed, um, I got mad. You know, I got angry that I failed. Right. I hated to lose. You know, I, I hate to lose to this day a softball game. Um, and But that just made me work harder on the things that whatever I did wrong, that made me work harder to make sure that I could do that again, you know, that I could fix that to where that wouldn't happen again. So it made me work harder. It made me mad a little bit. Um, it, it definitely drove me to become better on the failures that I did have. As far as a coach and a player that fails, every, every athlete is different. Every athlete has a different personality. Some, some kids you can get in their face and get on them and, you know, get them riled up. And some kids you have to pull over to the side and kind of pat them on the back and, and, you know, and treat them different. And I found out that way when I was in college, when I was a college coach, uh, for nine years there is every kid was different on how you could react and how you could go about it. The kids nowadays are a lot different than the kids back then. A coach would grab me by my shirt, get all up in my face, spin in my face, maybe push me a little bit, whatever. And that made me mad and angry. And I played harder. Nowadays, you've got to kind of pull a kid out over to the side and just talk to them more like an adult and more calm right. um, and kind of go over what they did wrong. And, and then we work at it at practice the next time. Um, and it's just kind of a different wave of kid that's that's coming through these days, um, as you guys know. So I think the big thing is, is just making sure that you can communicate with your player and tell them what they did wrong. And hopefully that that player will will listen to you and correct that. So those mistakes and failures become less. And what do you what advice do you give to the parents of, I guess, you know, the kids who are just below the let's say the next top recruits, right? What kids 
what advice do you give to the parents to, to, to teach their kids how to get to that next level? So there's, there's been obviously a few kids in the last four years that have contacted me that um, I felt like I just couldn't help them, right? I did, if I don't think I can at least get them to the Division two, Division three level, then I just tell the parents whether, you know, sometimes it's they've got to get bigger. They're 140 pounds. They need to be 175 or so to play in college. They've got to get faster. They've got to get stronger. Their grades have to get better. The GPA has to get better. The test scores have to get better. Um, so I kind of go over which, whichever. There's been about seven or eight kids that I've had to turn away. And I give them a list, depending on what I see on film and what I saw them play in person, um, to give them a list of stuff to work on. And then next year, if they're at that level, contact me back and then we can get started. Um, you know, that's just that's just the way it is. You know, not everybody's going to be able to play college baseball. You think about there's how many millions of kids there are playing and 7% of them actually get recruited. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a very long process where most families don't realize how long it really is and how long it takes, um, especially for the, you know, the average athlete. If you're a, you know, a softball pitcher throwing 65, 70 miles an hour, you're going to be seen pretty certainly at some tournament, somebody's going to find out about you and it's going to be easy for you. That's the 2% of kids. The other 98%, you can throw up, you know, throw a bunch of names in a hat and they're all 5'10", 175 pounds, and they all run the same. They all have the same grades. How is that kid going to be seen? And a lot of that is just being at the right place at the right time or having the personal connections that we have to get you in front of a coach. That's good advice. All right, now now we're going to go on to the fun part, I think, of our segment. I told you, Ken, we're both we're both diehard Yankees fans, uh, especially in the 90s when we uh, followed sports 24-7 pre-kids. I know that that's when you came up and you were playing. Uh, if you can name drop, I'm just saying, any of the Yankee greats, you give us some, uh, maybe some times. Did you, uh, I don't know, maybe did you, did you pitch to DJ or anybody take him yard or give us some fun facts about any of those guys you ran yeah, across your career? Let's see. So depending on how old your uh, viewing viewing cast is, it may know some <laughs> of these names. Some of them may not. But obviously, Derek Jeter was up with the Yankees. Yeah. Um, uh, pitched against him probably, I want to say, a good 12 to 15 times easy. I don't remember him getting a hit at all. I remember striking oh. him out. I remember walking him. I don't remember ever him getting a hit. Um, but this was early in his career yeah. when he was just real skinny and he was he was right out of high school. Um, and so I was I was probably four or five years older than him, I think. So it he wasn't he wasn't a hard out at that particular time. But obviously we know how Derek Jeter is, and right. he's one of the all time greats. So um, obviously whoever scouted him knew knew what they saw in him at an early age. Um, let's see, uh, Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. You guys remember Daryl Strawberry yeah. with the Mets, yeah. uh, faced him many a time. So he hit a home run off me, um, hanging change up. I can still remember it today. <laughs> hit it up the scoreboard and left center field. Ooh. Um, when he swung the bat, I actually flinched a little bit because he just swung it. He swung it so fast and he was just a long and lanky guy. So yeah. he hit a home run off of me. Uh, Chipper Jones, you probably know that guy's nope. name some. Got him out many a times. I'm um, not sure if he even got a hit off me. Um, trying to think. Uh, Jose Canseco, I faced him on a rehab assignment. That doesn't back count. Back in the minor leagues, that he came count. down. No, he doesn't Yeah, he stood, he stood right on top of the plate, <laughs> waving his bat. Um, he popped up the – I faced him one time. He popped up the shortstop. I got him out. Yeah. Um, I threw over 1,000 innings, and I gave up a ton of home runs. So there's – 
there's a lot of guys that, yeah. that, that hit home runs off me, but, um, you know, Derek Jeter was one of the main guys I faced all the time. Chipper Jones, I faced him all the time. A guy named Carlos Delgado hit a home run off me way back in the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Toronto, yeah, I remember him. So all those Yankees that came through the Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera play all those guys that came through during that time. Those were all guys that I, that I faced back in the day. That's all. That's awesome. You got a very cool, cool experiences in life. <laughs> Definitely one of the coolest guys I know, probably the coolest gentleman I know. Um, so one thing I haven't asked you that I, that I've meant to ask you to do it on air is your birth name, Kenny. I know it's, is it Ken or Kenneth? Kenny? Kenneth. Okay. Kenneth. So okay. it's kind of weird. They started calling me Kenny in high school. But okay. then, you know, now everybody calls me Ken. But yeah. everybody that knows me from high school call me Kenny. Okay. So you can call me Ken. You can call me Kenny. <laughs> I'll call you Mr. Carlisle. I was wondering. I had I'd gotten Mr. Carlisle's uh, baseball card for the girls and had him sign it. Oh, it yeah, says nice. Kenny on the card. I meant to ask him that. It does. It was, whether it was his first oh, name or not. Kenny. It says Kenny on it. I'll show you. Yeah. After the cast. Yep. Says I got one in the mail just the other day, by the way. Did you? People, st- people still send me cards to sign it's kind of crazy i don't even know how they find me that's awesome <laughs> show up in the mailbox three cards and sign them and send them back there's an envelope with a, with a <laughs> they have a self-addressed envelope with a stamp already on it all you gotta do is sign it put it in the envelope and send it back that is kind of scary too right yeah, yeah. really because they know they can track you down they can find you and then you see it online for like five dollars right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right that's right we're keeping ours though, our girls our girls frame them and they're they're keeping they as you know they think a lot of you um, so oh, what, let's kind of sum it up here and, uh, let everybody know, uh, you know, where can we find next top recruits when we can get more information on, you got social media sites, websites, et cetera, kind of give you the floor last, to, you know, have the, have the final word. Uh, next top recruits is on Facebook. We, our website is www.nexttoprecruits.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, Anybody's out there that feels like they have a chance to play in college or need help with recruiting, just go to the website and there's a scout form that you can fill out. And um, I would be in contact with you the same day. I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, we Thank appreciate you, it. Yeah. We appreciate, you know, you taking the time out of your day to, to talk to us and our audience on the cast. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, you've definitely uh, um, been a, a great friend to me here in the past couple of years and, you know, look forward to, you know, what the next five, 10, have in store for us. So appreciate it, Ken. Thank you. And uh, everybody on to the next time.